um, on practical religion that Pastor Parker started last week. And so we're going to just kind of dive right in and see how far we can get. I kind of have a uh, kind of a rough estimate of where I think I want to get, but we'll see how time goes and what the Lord has to say. And so we... We're going to just just dive right into this, and we're going to go right to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, basically the key scripture for this lesson series. And so uh, as you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and read for the sake of time. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And so we, we kind of launched into this last Sunday, and, and um, I'm not going to go back through the notes, but uh, in talking with Brother Parker uh, later earlier this week, he said he kind of left off around that, uh, right in that first part there. So we're going to kind of, I'm going to just dive right into that uh, a little bit this morning. And and I just pray that something I say today will be a blessing to you and that the Lord will minister and edify and lift you up through this today. And uh, so that, that scripture that we just read in the, in the Amplified Bible says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious piously observant of external duties of his faith and does not bridle his tongue but deludes his own heart, this person's religious service is worthless, futile, barren. External religious worship, religion as it is expressed in outward acts that is pure and unblemished in the sight of God the Father is this, to visit and help and care for the orphans and the widows in their affliction and need, and to keep oneself unspotted and uncontaminated from the world. I like those those versions that kind of spread it out a little bit and explain it a little bit more for me. And so I wanted to kind of just, in the beginning of this, focus on that a little bit. Um, in the Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary, it says, If any man think himself to be... So the Greek religious, that is observant of offices of religion, let him know that these cons- let him know these consist not so much in outward observances, and I added the word but, but as in such as acts, but in such acts of mercy and humble piety, as visiting the fatherless, etc., and keeping oneself unspotted from the world. And I just kept reading over and over, reading this over and over again yesterday. And so I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that, that in this scripture. And uh, the one thing that, that kind of really stuck out to me was that verse 27. It says, it explains, it tells us what true religion is. If you want to know what true religion, we, we have religion in our world today. And religion, a lot of things fall under the the category of religion, from Satanism to, to all kinds of spiritualism to you name it, religion. And the Bible talks about false religion and false doctrine. So religion in and of itself 
is just a system of believing. That's kind of my definition. Because you can be religious about anything, right? (laughs) People that like to run and exercise like that outdoors are religious about it. Some of them to the point where in 40 below weather, I see them running down my street. Because they are so religious about their running that they are willing to they put on the right kind of clothes and keep themselves somewhat warm. But they are so religious about it that nothing, including the weather, is going to stop them from doing that. So we can be religious about a lot of things. Can we not? <laughs> we can be religious in a, about our habits and how we do certain things. In our day-to-day life, I already got some chuckles around the room. Yeah, There's another name for that, but we'll just use the word religious. Okay, since we're on that subject. I'm religious about things like how I hang my clothes up in my closet. And if it's not done right by other people, I go in and correct it. And I fix it. Because I'm religious about that. Don't be looking back there. <laughs> I didn't say anybody's name, but if it's not done right, if it's not buttoned right, if it's not hung in the right direction, I fix it. I don't complain and murmur and gripe and all that. I just go in there and fix it. That's right. (laughs) Yay, Lord. (laughs) So we're religious, and we've got to be careful of that because this Jesus is trying to speak to us through the Apostle James about this but he says here that true religion undefiled before god and the father is this the first thing he says is to visit the fatherless the widows in their affliction and we like to jump right to that other one there that says to keep ourselves unspotted for the world which we're supposed to do and that What that really says there is that we need to kind of monitor and diligently keep an eye on our our daily walk. Because we got an enemy that's trying to trip us up. Right? And we're not we're not gonna be kept from that. If he allowed Job to be tempted, if he allowed Peter to be tempted, if he allowed Judas to be tempted, We're not going to get out of that. But we have an advocate, the Bible says, with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, who's praying for us, interceding for us. At one point, he even told Peter that he would pray for him, that his faith would fail not. So we we got to be diligent about and keeping an eye on, you know, when we were in the world, we didn't really care one way or the other. We just kind of lived our life. If it felt good, we did it kind of that mentality right but then one day after we heard the word of god and somebody planted that in our mind and in our heart it started working on us and and it started bringing conviction in our life and that's what it's for that his word would not return unto him void but it would go forth and do that which it was intended to do that's what it's intended to do primarily is to bring conviction to cause us to look inwardly and go wait a minute can't do that no wonder i'm miserable 
I got to quit, you know. And so we, we make a decision. We come to a church service. And we being kind of a general term, somebody out there listening, you know, at some point you, you, that conviction gets to the point where you feel led to make a decision. Am I going to keep living my life the way I'm living it and being miserable all the time? Or if there's a better option, I think I'd like to go check it out, right? And at some point or another, each one of us came to that place, even if we were raised in church. There's lots of people that sit in churches every day, apostolic churches that are raised in church, and they've, they haven't made a decision yet, young people, older people. But there comes a time where they go, okay, like, like in my case, I, I came to a point where I said, okay, either I'm going to do this or I'm not. But I'm not going to do it half-hearted. I'm not going to be faithful one Sunday and then don't feel like coming the next Sunday. I'm either going to do this or I'm not going to do this. And I'm not going to be waffling back and forth. And so we made a decision that we were going to make this. This is how we're going to live. We're, we're going to make a decision. And we're not going to go back on it. And so we did that, and we haven't regretted it since. So, but the Lord really, he, he jumps right in, and, and he has James say to visit the, and to help and to care for the orphans and the widows. Well, we not, might not have a lot of official orphans and widows, but we've got a lot of families in our society today where and there's a problem in our society of fatherless children. He's, they have a father, but he's nowhere to be found. Or he's not involved in the life of these children. And so we have a geographical widow or a spiritual widow, if you will. We've got a single mother. She might as well be a widow raising these kids, trying to work a job and maybe work two jobs and maybe work three jobs. And maybe the grandparents are involved in trying to help raise these kids. And it's taking a toll on our society. And he says right here that we need to first and foremost, if we're going to have true religion, to go out and take care of those people. What does it mean to visit? What, does it just mean to go pay a visit to them? <laughs> Hi. Okay, I fulfilled my obligation to visit. That's not what that means, is it? What do you think that means? To jump in there and see what they need. And it might not be physical like food. It might be other things. You know, we were having a discussion with somebody the other day. There's a lot of these kids that can't read. There's kids in upper grades in elementary school that can't read. Well, visiting the fatherless and the widows and the orphans, helping them, what, you know, those are things that we can do. Anybody in here doesn't speak English? <laughs> right? Just, just one example. And so it's, we got to, you know, if we don't take care of them, who's going to take care of them? The government? I mean, they will, but there's, there's, a, there's something tied to that. It, it, it may seem free up front, but it's not free. 
right? And so this is what he's saying. The true religion undefiled before God and man is that we take care of the fatherless and the widows and their affliction, that we keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Because somebody out there needs to see our testimony. Somebody out there needs to know that, that there's a reason why we do what we do. We're not just religious, but it's a relationship. I do this because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't do this because my religion says I got to. If that was the case, I probably wouldn't do it. But if I feel God's telling me, and and if I feel in my spirit and God's spirit's in me that's telling me this is how I should live, then that's what I'm going to do. So we're going to jump down here and and just kind of go through Number one through four, I'm going to try anyway. Number one through four, under the marks of true religion, James 1, 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into when. It says when right there, doesn't it? doesn't say if. doesn't say if you fall into divers' temptations. It says when. So it means we're going to, right? Is that, is that how you read that? That's how I read that. When you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, here's why, worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That word temptations there is pirasmos, and it means to make a trial of, to try to tempt, trial, temptation, a putting to the test. Spoken of persons only. When God is the agent, perismos is the is for the purpose of proving someone, never for the purpose of causing him to fall. God don't tempt anybody, but he does allow temptation to come for the purpose of testing us. Right? If it is of the devil, if it is the devil who tempts, then it is for the purpose of causing one to to fall yeah is that going to happen in our life is the enemy going to try to come after us and try to get us to sin is he yeah is that ever going to stop it will one day either when you die or when jesus comes and takes his church out of here one of those two because that's his job to usurp the authority of god and we represent the authority of God, don't we? We have his spirit dwelling in us. So therefore, Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And if we have Jesus on the inside, that means we have his authority. And the devil hates God's authority. And we know that because he tried to usurp God's authority and have his own way. He wanted to be like God. And God said, not up here, you're not. So now he's down here trying to be like God down here to us. Amen? And so the Lord allowed Job to be tempted and tried by the devil. But the Lord also knew that Job would come through. He knows it will come through. He allows these things. I don't know about you, but me personally, I want the Lord to do everything that he can in my life to try and to test me 
because I want to be as pure and as ready as I can be when it's time for me to go. And, you know, if you look in your New Testament, if you read, every one of those disciples after the day of Pentecost, every single one of them, except for one, and he was boiled in oil, and he survived that miraculously, every one of them was killed for the sake of the gospel and persecuted and beaten up and and left for dead and all those things. And even Paul said this, I got this thorn in the flesh that I've prayed three times for the Lord to take it away. And he said, nope, I'm not going to take it away, Paul. Why? Because my grace is sufficient because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Because Paul was give, being given some revelation and some, some things that were just blowing people's minds. And he wanted to make sure that Paul didn't get puffed up in his thinking it was him and take, get, taking all the credit for that. So he kept some things in Paul's life to keep him humble. You think God puts things in our life to keep us humble? To help us? He's not forcing us. You're going to be humble, whether you like it or not. That's not how he works. He loves us. He wants us to be the best that we can be. And so he's going to allow things in our life. 1 Corinthians 10.13, speaking of the body of believers in the church, there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Everybody say, but God is faithful. Who will not suffer or allow us to be tempted above that we are able, but will with the temptation. There you go. It's going to happen. It's going to come. Will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He's going to allow, what is that saying? He's going to allow the temptation to come, but he's going to give you a way out. He's given us a way out, hasn't he? Right? For no temptation, no trial regarding as in, and this is what the Amplified says, no trial regarded as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. That is, that is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to the human experience and such as men can bear. But God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature, and he can be trusted not to let us be tempted and tried and assayed be beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. But with the temptation, he will always provide, also provide the way of the means of escape to a landing place. Like you're going to take off and land somewhere else. That you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. And what he's saying there is not under our own power. Because who's he talking to in the book of First Corinthians? The church, right? talking to the church it's not under your own human power i don't know about you but when i was operating under my own human effort and power i was hopeless i wasn't making it i was making it a mess but when i got up under the power of god in my life things began to change but we endure and we escape and we overcome by his power amen that word patience there 
is to preserve, remain under, a bearing under, patience, endurance, as of things or circumstances, to bear under something. It's going to happen. The temptation is going to come. You're going to bear under it. You're going to, you're going to bear this thing, but you're going to just, you know, when I, when I feel those things, those moments of temptation come, I, sometimes I just laugh almost out loud. And I say, devil, you're still a liar. Nice try, but you're still a liar, devil. Every time you open your mouth, you're lying. And then I, sometimes I say, God, could you just, and then I think of Paul when I say this, could you just take this one thing away so that it doesn't keep bugging me? And I just get silence. Like, nope. And then I get a reminder of that scripture about Paul. Okay. So I got to be diligent. I got to be watchful. Just like that scripture said, I, I got to be watchful. I got to keep myself unspotted from the world. I got to make sure that I remember whose I am and who I am. <clears throat> right? We need to realize who we are in God. We really do. We got some power that we don't even use sometimes. We really do. And those people that I work with and those people that see my life every day are depending, whether they realize it or not, they're depending on me to be holy and as righteous and holy and upright and upstanding before the Lord as I can be. Because they need to see that difference. Like the testimonies I heard about this, this youth congress, about the one guy in Nashville wrote an article and he was talking about how they just walked into a restaurant after one of the services. And that the staff in the restaurant was so moved by the power and the presence of God, just with these young people and adults that were with them, that they were almost in tears. And they were going, we don't know what you just walked in here with, but whatever it is, we want it. It's powerful. And they, the, the guy said some of them were nearly weeping. And no, nobody said anything. Nobody stood up and testified or preached. They just walked into the restaurant. And they carry the presence of God, and they're with them. And we need to understand and realize that when we are out there in this, we're doing the same thing. We don't have to be in a crowd. We carry his presence into that restaurant. And they don't know at work why they're not cussing when I'm around. But I know. Some of them used to say, excuse my French. Now they don't even say the words anymore. They change their words mid-sentence. And I'm just going, wow. That's the power of God. Because <laughs> if I'm not around, they're just blowing and going. So it's awesome what we have. This scripture about patience, it says, count it all joy because he is working on you through the trials. You've got to count it all joy. Oh, hallelujah, God is working on me. That's not exactly what Paul said, but after that, Paul said, okay. Okay, Jesus, since you said it that way, thank you. Thank you. I count it all joy that, you, that I have this, this thing, this, the Bible called it a messenger of Satan to buffet him. You mean God's letting Satan buffet Paul to keep him humble? Is that what that's saying? I don't want to 
say something that it's not saying. But I think that's what it's saying. So if he's letting that happen to Paul, he's going to let that happen to us if we're his vessels. Don't I want that to happen to me, don't you? If I need that, I, by all means, God, bring it on. Help me to be the best that I can be for you. You know, like the motto in the army, be all you can be. I want to be all I can be for the Lord. James 1, 5 through 8. We're going to jump down to that next one. If any man, if any of you lack wisdom, Brother Parker's already brought this one out recently in our Wednesday lesson. If any of you lack wisdom, divine wisdom, by the way, not, not our own wisdom, not human wisdom. If any of you lack divine wisdom, let him ask of God. It's God's wisdom. All you got to do is ask him for it. What did Solomon say? When God said, what do you want? Wow. What would you say if God said, I'll give you anything you want. Just ask. And that's what he asked Solomon. And Solomon didn't ask for stuff. He didn't say, give me a 64 Impala and a 35 Chevy truck. And he said, give me wisdom that I can lead the people. Give me a new bow and arrow. He didn't ask for any of that. Give me some wisdom, God, that I know how to lead the people. And God said, because you ask for wisdom and not for stuff, I'm going to give you the wisdom and the stuff. Right? So it's important to ask for wisdom because we need it in this world. The stuff that you have to face at your work and in your neighborhood and at the store where you shop or wherever, you're not going to have the pastor or somebody there to turn to and say, what do I say? You're going to have to depend on the Holy Ghost. Right? To tell you what to say. That's why it's important to have some of this in your brain. Because he'll help you pull this out when you think you haven't memorized it. He'll pull this out and you'll you'll think to yourself, where did that come from? <laughs> I remember when we first got in church, we had a neighbor. And I was no Bible guru. I didn't have a bunch of scripture memorized. And we had a neighbor next door to us that asked a question one day. And I must have stood in that lady's door for 40 minutes. And she was standing behind me, and I was just going. I didn't, I didn't. And later she was like, how did you do that? I'm like, do what? I said, I don't know. But that was the Holy Ghost. That was God giving me that to say to this person. I didn't think about it. I, I don't remember thinking about it. I just, it just started flowing. I, I went until I felt like it was time to shut up. But she never said, I got to go. She stood there just receiving. You know, so we just never know sometimes. Where was I? Okay. Praise God. Yes. Yes. Somewhere here. Here we go. So it's, it's his wisdom. It's divine wisdom. And he'll give it liberally. He doesn't defame or discourage us. He'll give it to you if your motive is right. God, I want to use this wisdom for your glory. Not so I can impress people with how much I know about Jesus. But if I, if I just want to use it to be a blessing to other people and to minister to other people. And so that I can, you know, Jesus said, freely you have received. Then what did he say? Freely give. Whatever he's blessed you with. Don't keep it to yourself. Share it with people. 
yeah, some of them might not want it, but there's somebody out there that's hungry that's like, man, I'm glad you said that. Man, I'm glad you told me that. They might not say it right away, but at some point down the road, they're going to be thankful. And they're going to stand in a church service and testify and say, I'm so glad that Caitlin said that to me one day. You know, we don't we don't have to walk in fear of what if God's telling us to speak something, speak it, say it. But God, it's it's God's business. Let him deal with that. He might need you to plant that seed so that that he can work. Right. That's where it all starts with a seed. But but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man is a person who has like dual devotions, if you will. They're not really fully devoted to the Lord. They're still kind of got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. They're kind of one foot's in the water and one foot's on the sandy beach. They can't make up their mind. That's what that's talking about. So he's asking us to be completely devoted you know when i said that my i do's 35 years ago i said that i would be completely devoted till death do us part i mean or something like that right anybody that's in here that's ever been married you know what i'm talking about and that's the kind of devotion he's asking for complete devotion don't be wavering don't be one thing one day and then something else the next day and then back again and you know, that's that's just confusion. Anyway, you know, even an employer, <laughs> make up your mind. Are you going to come to work on time or not? Right? Don't be on time three days of the week and late two days of the week. Be consistent. Be on time all the time. Right? There's nothing wrong with God expecting that of us, right? It's all about our motive. It's all about our hearts. God knows our heart, right? James 1, 9 through 11 says, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but but the rich that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen but the, but the a with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace and the fashion of it pers- persisteth. So... Also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. God's going to level the playing field. He's going to edify and lift up those that are downtrodden, and he's going to humble the ones that are lifted up. So he puts us all on the same level playing field, right? Praise God. Acts seventeen twenty three through 28. And we're going to try to wrap this up. We're going to make it, I think. Acts first, chapter 17, verse 23 through 28. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. For as I passed by and beheld their de- your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription the un- to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. 
God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needeth anything, seeing that he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. God's in control of everything, right? That they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. He's right there. God is everywhere, right? He's omnipresent, so if you try to turn around and run from God, you just ran right into him. Okay? If you can understand that concept. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone or graven art of men's device. Amen? So it's in him we live and move and have our being. Let our true religion be that that is led by the Spirit. They that are led by the Spirit, they are what? The sons of God. Because if we're led by the flesh, I don't know about you, but when I was being led by the flesh, I was, once again, <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Amen. But when I allowed myself to be humbled by the Word of God and brought to a place of repentance, and I, when I allowed my life, when I made a decision to humble myself before God and say, my life is not my own anymore, it's yours, things changed. Things changed. John 15, verse 1 through 5. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 5. I bet some of you could even quote this, but we'll go there and read it anyway. John 15, 1 through 5. I am the true vine, Jesus speaking, and my Father is the husbandman. He's the keeper. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit hath he, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit... He purgeth it. What does that mean? Sometimes you got to trim the bushes and trim the roses and trim trim stuff stuff back, and it might look ugly at first, but if you if you leave it just a little while, it'll start popping all kinds of new growth, right? That's what that's talking about. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. He's repeating himself here. Ye are the branches. He's given us a principle. I am the source. You need the source, so you need to be connected to me. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me, the vine, you can do nothing. Right? If I go out there and cut a branch out of that tree and lay it next to the tree within a couple of inches of the base of that tree, is that branch going to grow just because it's kind of close to the vine but not attached? Or the tree? It'll stay green for a little while. 
right? Maybe a day. Depends on how hot it is. But within a couple of days, every leaf on that branch is going to be brown. And that tree, that branch has already started dying the minute you cut it off from that tree. Because there's no more source of nutrient. There's no more source of water. There's no more source of anything. So we have to stay connected to him. That's why, he, that's why Paul said, in him we live and move and have our being. We've got to stay connected to him. It's about our relationship with him. It's about our devotion to him. That's what our true religion is. Everything that we desire and hope for in this life, if we want to be above the fray and above the, this world, we're, we're going to have to be connected to Jesus. Right? James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Once again, implication there to me is that we're going to have to endure some temptation, some testing, some trials, some things in our life that are not going to be comfortable. But we'll be blessed if we will endure through those things. For when he is tried, for there's that word when again. We kind of skip over some of that stuff sometimes. It doesn't say if he's tried. God's no respect their persons, is he? So he's going to treat all of us kids the same. That's the way it's supposed to be, right? You don't treat all uh, one kid different in a family than the other kid. You treat them all the same. I mean, they got their own personalities, but you know, you meet out the same judgment no matter what, right? That's how it's supposed to be. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You mean when I'm getting a whooping from my dad, that means he still loves me? That's right. I used, they used to say, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. <laughs> I'm going, what's wrong with that? As a kid, that belt, I just, it ain't hurting his hand like it's hurting my backside. I don't know. <laughs> but God's going to take us through some stuff, and he's doing it because he loves us, and he wants us to be better than we are he wants to take us higher if we want to go there you know if you resist getting a beating a whooping or whatever you want to call it you're just going to get another one <laughs> right if you don't learn the lesson here comes another beating till you get till you get it right how many wants to go through that more than once no no takers okay the word endureth is the same Greek word for patience. We just read that word patience. And I gave you that definition, that, that bearing, bearing under it, right? So that endurance is bearing under the trial, bearing under the thing. God, I don't understand why i got to go through this with my kids or my grandkids or, or my house falling apart or whatever it is trial you're going through. Why do I have to go through this, God? Why why me, God? Anybody ever said that besides me? There's a guy who even wrote a song called Why Me, Lord. We won't go. That's right. But that's our humanity, isn't it? And Paul asked the same question. He didn't doesn't say that he did, but he probably said, "Why am I having to deal with this?" Thorn in the flesh, God, won't you take it away? And God told him, no, you need that in your life. 
So some stuff we just needed in our life to help us stay humble. Let James 1, 13 through 15 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot tempt, be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. It's not God tempting you. Right? But every man is tempted. Here we go again. Every man, every human, so that I don't want to leave you ladies out. It's, that word man in the Bible means human. Okay? Every part of mankind is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Then sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. What does that word sin mean? I'll tell you what it means in the Greek. It means missing the mark. It's like if my dad told me to go out and cut the grass, and I'm and every every time I went down a strip, I missed a spot about that wide, and then I left the yard like that. He was gonna, he's going to come to me and say, "You missed the mark, son. You didn't hit. You didn't get. You got the, almost got the job done, but you didn't quite get it done. Go back out there and finish it, right?" So are we going to miss the mark of the, the prize, the high calling of God in Christ? Are we going to miss it sometimes? Are we going to fall short? Jesus said in his word that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But he goes on to say, but he is faithful and just to forgive us. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He knows. He knows our frame. He knows that we're human. He knows that we're flesh. But that's why we have that advocate with the Father. That's why we have that thing called repentance. That's why we have, that's why we desperately need the Holy Ghost. Because I call it like my little internal alarm system. I know, it's like I know. After you get this word in you and you, you start walking this walk a while, you start knowing that whose voice that is that's telling you to, trying to suggest things to you to do stuff. That's when you say, no, devil, <laughs> nice try, right? God does not solicit us to try to see if he can get us to sin. But just like Job and just like Paul and just like everybody before us, he allows the enemy because what did, what did, what, when, did, when he was tempting Job, Right before that, the, the Bible says that the sons of God had gathered and the devil was there. And he said, well, well, God said, well, consider my servant Job. Let's just put somebody, consider my servant Linda. You know, she's walking right and upright and all these things. And yeah, well, if you took away all the fences and, and all the bushes and all the shrubs and all the hedges around her, she would not serve you. She'd curse your name. And what did God say to Job or to the devil? Go ahead. I'll let you do it. I I got faith in Job. You go ahead. I'll 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 set. I'll pull the hedges down and let you mess with him. We know the story, right? If you haven't read it, you need to go read it. <clears throat> Did Job survive it? He ended up with more than he had before. Right, but he had to go through that trial. So he's not. God's no respect to a person. He's not going to let us out of that if we're going to serve him. Right. The enemy is there to help help us along and suggest that, and say that it's okay. It's okay. They're doing it over there and see nothing happened to them yet. Right? 
But we have to, we have, to have our mind made up that I'm not going to live like this anymore, devil. God, I'm, li- I'm yours. You're mine. Praise God. Let's take a break.